VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 685, recorded on June 1st, 685th edition of the TD Gaming Podcast, the 518th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Dozer. I am Scott Durr. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. Novifly Gaming Flashback, so that's an artifact. Um, I'm using a new mic, and this thing is gigantic. I had the uh, Yeti Nano, and I just have the Yeti Classic, and this thing is twice the size of that. It sounds good. You're coming in really clean. Well, I also got a uh, what do they call those foam things you put around a mic too? You know, um, pop filter. Yeah. Uh, the only problem is that this thing sucks up electricity like nothing else. I can't I can't put my printer and my mic on at the same time, or else um, the, the the computer will shut down saying, "Yeah, we have a USB problem. We can't do this." <laughs> that's that's quite an interesting problem. Yeah, well, you know, this computer is a couple of years old. I mean, it still it still has enough that it can play the latest games. Um, I want to get a new PC. I think just because I want to be able to play Portal via uh, Portal uh, um, with light tra- the ray tracing, and it won't let me because I don't have anything at least a 3080 card, and I don't want to just buy a graphic card. If I'm going to get a new computer, I'm just going to get a new computer. So, um, we're not going to have a podcast next week because um, I'm going to L.A. I was supposed to go to E3, but we know E3 is not going to be around. So, I'm just going to go to L.A. (laughs) Um, I could have canceled, you know, the trip and, you know, saved the money, but I decided, you know, I'm just going to go to L.A. Screw it. Just a little vacation. Yeah, I know people there, too, so... This is going to be partly to go to E3, but mostly to, to hang out with people I know in L.A. So so we won't have a podcast, um, and that's unfortunate because um, a lot of things are happening next week, not the least of which Microsoft's going to do its uh, big production. You know, First, it's going to do um, its uh, normal games showcase. Then it's going to do a showcase that revolves all around Starfield. Yeah. Yeah, that's likely. I'm, I am hoping that they show Iodine Chronicle uh, release date for uh, they for June. That'd be great. I'm willing to bet you anything. It's going to be a September release because that was what the previous Iodine Chronicles release was wasn't in September, so it's going to be September again. I'll bet you anything. I was thinking November, October, but I mean September, I guess, is because it's any other month. I think they want to. I think they want to avoid the big, big games that are going to be coming out. You know. Well, September is going to be Starfield, and that's that's pretty big. Yeah, but it's it's all. Uh, but you know, Aiden Chronicles Hundred Heroes will be sort of like counter programming. It's also going to be. It's also going to be on Game Pass, so it's not going to have to worry about sales. Not for Xbox, anyways. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um. And I want to see, you know, it's going to be different than the other, you know, the Aiden Chronicles that I played. It's it's not going to be too, too different, but it's going to have different type of gameplay. 
yeah, it's going to be turn based, uh, have six party members and we're going to recruit hundred of them or, you know, 110. And, uh, it's going to be the whole war story. Rising was a nice, you know, build up to what hundred heroes will be about. Yeah. Uh, so, um, we also had the Sony, uh, thing, uh, direct like last week um a lot of people just gave it a c they weren't too impressed with it like half the games are multi-platform anyway and microsoft took great delight in saying hey by the way these games look cool and then they showed alan wake 2 and everything else it's like yeah it's gonna be on the xbox too remember <laughs> yeah. um they did have some pretty good stuff in there though yeah i'm kind of cold on final fantasy really i mean I've never uh, Helldivers 2. The moment we saw Helldivers 2 kick things off, I was excited out of my mind. I love that game. The first one is so ridiculously chaotic and fun, and you can completely just like you can drop uh, military ordnance on your friends by accident and just crush them into pulp. And uh, (laughs) it looks like they're still leaning into that sort of comedic tone with the new one where it's like starship troopers, but not. Yeah, I found it interesting to learn that uh, Bungie told Sony about multiplayer in The Last of Us. Don't don't do it. It's a waste of time. They told him not to do it, and Sony and, and Bungie would know because they uh, they Bungie knows about uh, multiplayer, obviously, mm-hmm. with Halo and and Destiny. But they told they told uh, Sony, yeah, don't 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 bother with the multiplayer game. Just just. I mean, it came with the sad thing that, you know, since Bungie told them not to, and Sony said, yeah, we agree with you, they had to downsize the team. Jonah, you are what some would consider to be an old. What did you think of uh, Marathon making a comeback? It's interesting. It's interesting. Um, it's also going to be, it's not, a, it's multi-platform too, which I was shocked at. I could have sworn that Bungie owns Marathon, right? Why is it uh, multi-platform? Yeah, yeah, that was like one of their first games, and uh, yeah, they had a trilogy. And Marathon Durandal is still available on the Xbox Game Store. Yeah, I think it's you know like with all the things going on with like how many concessions Microsoft had to make, I'm sure on some level it was Sony saying, "Hey, look, we made we had we own Bungie, but we're still letting you have our game." Unless so, Bungie told them, um, "You better do what we want, or we're not going to help you." That. That's really possible too. Because when uh, Bungie first, when the deal first came out, Bungie was very. Adam, they, they said no. We're we're Sony doesn't own us. We're partners. Damn it. Yeah, yeah. They were adamant <laughs> about uh, maintaining their control, creative control over their properties. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, remakes of shooters, um, I still don't have my System Shock code. And what's interesting is that the, my press account doesn't have a System Shock code either yet, which is interesting. Because it was supposed to come out yesterday. I have not received the code. No no one I know has received the code. At least – and I, I have – I am a $155 backer, which means I'm getting the physical copy too. And also System Shock too, like I really needed it. I would reach out to them on Twitter because they're pretty I, good about like responding. I I, I I already already reached out. So, but it's just very strange. Um, something's going on. A lot of people are not getting their codes yet, including press. But I'm really looking forward to playing it. 
what I'm playing this week is going to be awkward then. <laughs> You're playing System Shock? I was. I, I reviewed oh. it. Oh, cool, cool. So let's uh, jump ahead to what have you been playing? So you've been playing System Shock? I have. And I'm glad that I held off on not playing the demo, not playing the uh, like the, the the original, just like keeping myself blind before I went into this. Did you ever play System Shock 2? I didn't. Okay, that's that's interesting. I well, here's the thing. I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of people who played System Shock 2 but did not play System Shock. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to come into this with as fresh eyes as possible. Um, well, then, was, I, then I have to ask the question. I have to ask the question. What do you What do you think of Shodan as a villain? I think that Shodan is a really like like what's the word for it? It's egotistical. You feel her, pres- you yeah. feel her presence at all times, especially with like there's 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 not a lot more unnerving than walking into the room and you hear that blip blip that tells you that a camera is watching you. Somewhere. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> when you play the sequel, you'll have that, and you'll also have monkey screeching. Um, I, I, when you hear when you hear those monkeys uh, going, woo, 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 you say, "Oh shit!" Because they're I little hear, and they have psychic blasts. I hear like shooter. I hear immersive sim about System Shock. I hear like precursor to bio, to Bioshock. Yeah, I mean System Shock. System Shock Two is basically where Bioshock. Where do you think the name Shock in Bioshock comes from? The the vibe I got off of this game of uh, System Shock, was, the first System Shock, yeah, was a was survival horror. Yeah, like, and uh, like the, a really good survival horror game. Well, here's the thing: System Shock Two is more of an RPG. It's it's it owes a lot more to uh, Deus Ex than it does. Because here's the thing: the first System Shock, it came out in 1994. That's it's a contemporary of Quake and Doom. So this is one of the a lot of people when they're making their Doom clones, they just, you know, you run around a maze and you shoot things. System Shock 2 said, no, 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 we're going to make it a a System Shock. The first System Shock said, no, we're going to make it a lot more than just that. Yeah. And like, I really appreciate how much you have to consider, like the kind of weapon you're going to use in any given situation, the kind of ammo you're going to use. The, whether you're going to like knowing that you have energy, like that every single gadget that you have on you uses energy. And also you have guns that use energy. So you have to very carefully balance. That <laughs> Fortunately, that's not the case in System Shock 2, because <laughs> in, in System Shock 2, in System Shock 2, the guns use bullets. <laughs> right. But you, and you get kinetic like gun bullet guns in, in System Shock 1. But there is like a couple options where like if you yeah. want to save ammo. You can use a, a gun that fires energy. Um, yeah. And I liked that conversation. I liked that balancing act where you have to, like, be considerate of, like, like yeah, you can turn your headlamp on or you can turn your item fighter on in this area. But then if then you're burning energy and what if something attacks you? Yeah. Um, Look at you, hacker, running up and was, down my corridors. You, you know what one of the one things like I kind of appreciate but I also don't appreciate about the remake is you there are no objective markers. There oh no, no, there isn't. No. There's is no way of knowing what your current task is and what and where you should be going by looking at the 
by like it's not gonna like yeah you, you gotta you gotta figure that shit out <laughs> and like and the only and the only time that became a real problem was the when i stopped playing the game and i came back and i was like okay what was i doing and i was like and i would have to scan your goal my, is to survive <laughs> i would have to come back and scan through my uh the, the audio logs and text logs and see what the last hints i got were yeah by the way um Sheridan is voiced by Terry Brocius. Um, she's the wife of one of the programmers, and this is one of her first voice roles. You know what other voice role she did that that a lot of people love? Which she one? she played Victoria in the Thief series in Thief One and Two. Nice. Bow ye down to the woodsy lord. Give us up your flesh eyes that he may see. Yeah, but uh, I'm having a I'm having a really good time with System Shock. It's a, you haven't finished it, okay? It's it's good. It's uh, it's it it gets rid of a lot of the archaic. It gets rid of that goggle vision where you always have like a good chunk of the screen taken up by UI, and instead it like just puts it, it immerses you that much more into it. And uh, I think if you enjoyed the old one, you're gonna really really enjoy them. I I never really played the old one. The old one had a uh, enhanced version too, and I, I I did not enjoy playing it. I'm looking forward to playing System Shock with the um, with the more modern controls, you know. By the way, uh, just just you remember, System Shock is almost 30 years old. Mm-hmm. That makes me feel old. <laughs> Keep a journal nearby and write down hints. Yeah, but I hope. <laughs> so here's the thing about System Shock 2. It's still playable in um, now because uh, where, where you can get it. Um. They're coming out with the enhanced version, which is basically going to, uh, you know, up the resolution and not much else. And you can bet they're going to start working on a System Shock 2 remastered, which will do to uh, System Shock 2 what this game did to the original System Shock. And we have to also have to keep in mind, you know, System Shock 3 is still in development. Just like Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2, but it's still in development. So we'll see. They they released the new they released a new trailer for System Shock three like last year I think, but yeah, um, there's a reason why Shodan is considered one of the best um, uh, villains. And you know what's funny is that um, people I've always compared Shodan with Gladys, and Gladys is basically the kooky ant, while uh, Shodan is the uh, evil ant, because <laughs> they both have basically the same goals. Just there's a line from Sister Sh- System Shock 2 which everybody loves, and that is um, what, someone on an audio log says, "Shodan should not be allowed to play God. She's clearly way too good at it. <laughs> She's got some mean plans, that's for sure. I uh, oh man, I don't want like." I don't want to spoil System Shock 2, but the way System Shock 2 ends is perfection. <laughs> oh, God. Just, just, I love the ending of System Shock 2. It is just, a lot of people were sort of like, oh, really? And after a while they said, yeah, that's just actually kind of cool. <laughs> the way System Shock 2 ends. So, what were you going to say, TJ? I was gonna say that like I don't I don't know if I should drop spoilers anyway, but I really liked a certain choice you get to make in. Uh... Oh, that choice, yeah. <laughs> it, but I, I won't spoil it because I, I will say this though. Um, going to System Shock Two during like 
uh, one third, maybe, you know, over, over a third of the game, you know, it's like, you don't see Shodan, but you know, she's going to be in the game because she's on the friggin' box and she's in the opening cutscene, you know, and the way they reveal her is great. It's just great. Like I said, of course she's going to be in System Shock too. Her face is on the cover. <laughs> Look at all creepy and cat-eyed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, see, that's what happens when you take the ethical restraints off uh, an AI. Just ask the I doctor actually, from Voyager. I actually like her portrait from uh, from System Shock One, where like she it's less refined, and she just looks like a whole bunch of wires and yeah. dead like white eyes. I think that's actually kind of creepier than the cat-eyed looking System Shock 2. Anybody who's watched Star Trek Voyager knows what happens when you take the ethical restraints off an AI. Mm-hmm. The doctor is really creepy. He starts getting sadistic. <laughs> and that's what happened to Shodan. Uh, I wonder if the people at Voyager were fans of System Shock, to come to think of it. Yeah. Anyways, I'll tell you what I've been playing. I've been playing Lord of the Rings Gollum. Well, I was. So here's the thing, um, you know, people are telling you it's the worst game of the year. It's not the worst thing I've ever played. It's not the worst thing I've played this year. It's here's the thing. Uh, the gameplay is, eh. but the problem is aside from the bugs and the bugs are what made me stop playing it because um, when you do something and you end the uh, level and then it doesn't load and it crashes, you have to do that entire level over again. That's just not going to be it. But when I was playing it, I was thinking, you know what? Um, one of the thing, one of the mistakes is the kind of game it is because um, Gollum is not a compelling character. He may have been a compelling character when he's not the protagonist, but he is the protagonist here. You're precious, Todd. <laughs> you know that. You're precious. But the problem is, um, you know, here's the thing. It takes place in the books when uh, Sauron had captured Gollum and tortured him and, and got the name of Baggins. And here's the thing. That's all that happened. What They, they try to stretch it. They have him in a prison. And he's doing tasks like fighting, uh, you know, um, basically the equivalent of dog tags and having monsters chase him so they can go into things. That, that's not what I picture Gollum doing. They, here's the thing. Sauron let Gollum go because he wanted his, his the, uh, the race to follow him because they knew that he was going to hunt out uh, Bilbo and, you know, they, they just follow him. Why? No. And the fact that they did it with the um, – for one thing, uh, they they also made the mistake of making it a game much like uh, um, a Shadow of War and Shadow of Mordor. And that's a really – you know, and you still haven't played it, and that's just shocking to me. It's yeah. going to be – it's going to be like if I played, say, uh, Breath of the Wild like 20 years from now. It's like, why are you first playing it now? I need good games to stop coming out for a second. <laughs> I think that's like, what happens with a lot of these uh, medium stories when they get uh, when they keep being used and explored. And I think people, some of these writers, just forget what the whole point of some of these characters were. It's like you just pointed out, Golem is just some little patsy to be used to you know guide the wraiths to the ring. Mm-hmm. And then I, I don't know. I haven't played the Golem game, so is it? It's just it? one. It's it's just you as Golem, and I think it's only because that. Uh, 
uh, Andy Serkis did such a good job in the movies that, you know, Gollum became a fan favorite. But the thing is, you don't make a movie about, you don't make a game about a fan favorite. Would you make a game about C-3PO? No. <laughs> See, no. He's not a fan favorite, but no. Oh, he is a fan favorite. He's prissy. Everybody loves his prissiness. Um, really? I didn't think I mean, anyone liked him. Yeah. I've been, I've been questioning from the very R2 beginning. R2-D2, on the other hand, people love. Yeah, but you wouldn't make a game about him either. They made a show about Bubba Fett. Everybody yeah. loved him. There's nothing to him, and yet they made a show about him. Yeah, well, no. Uh, Boba Fett is just a good character design. So is Darth Maul. He's a good character design, but he's not a character. And I have questions from the very beginning why we got a Gollum game in the first place, but it was, like, amusing to me on a level, like, where I wanted to see where this went. But here's the thing. I was getting into the story, but, you know, the crash is just set. No, I'll, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait a few months, and then I'll play again when it's... I also played Star Trek Resurgence. And um, the story is good. It's a TNG story. It happens just after Nemesis. And I I like the decisions. But these Telltale guys, you know, uh, they don't know how to program a game to save their life. They don't. Here's a little hint for you if you're making an adventure game. Allow people to skip cutscenes. I mean, if you want to force them to watch a cutscene once, that's fine. But after that, you should be able to go right through it, especially if it's like two minutes long. You're sitting there waiting again, hearing all the dialogue that you heard, and then, you have to do, and then I ended up not doing any uh, 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 any dialogue with people because I knew I couldn't skip through them either. It is absolutely ridiculous. Also. They made the biggest sin of all. You cannot load from any chapter. Meaning, if you want to do, if you want to, if you want to make a different decision, you have to play the entire game over again. Oof, that's no good. No, um, I bought it. I enjoyed it. I liked the story, and now that's all I'm going to do. I'm not even going to bother looking at YouTube for the other decisions because I already know what's going to happen. Um, the other mistake they had was having Spock in it. Because they have a good, they get, have a good impressionist for Spock, but he's flat, hmm. and you didn't need Spock anyway. As a matter of fact, Spock sort of ruins part of the, the tension because you know nothing bad is going to happen to him. Had it been yet an, another Vulcan ambassador who's aged, then you could worry. I'm, I'm going to give away a little bit of a secret. Um, these creatures, um, they're like they're like the Reapers. They indoctrinate you, and they basically they kill your personality, and they replace them with your own. So it's like a personality death, and you become them. And um, I was never worried that was going to happen to Spock. Never worried. It's like what's interesting is, and another spoiler here. um, That happened. See, there are two main characters. There are two protagonists. uh, One, a a lower decks engineer, and the other one is the uh, first officer. And the choices I made, uh, he did a sacrifice and he lost his personality and he's permanently taken over by by the aliens. And it's like at the end, you know, his friend comes up and he just looks at her and she realizes, oh, he's gone forever. Yeah, there's no cure for it. Just, you know, that's where most of the tension comes from. I liked it. Um, they got to have uh, chapter selections because I'm not going to play this game again for a while. So... 
But if you like a good Star Trek yarn, it's fine. It's a lot better than 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 Picard and the other shows that they've made. I don't watch. I haven't watched Lower Decks because I don't care. <laughs> so, so far, I like the Undiscovered Country or New Frontiers. I can't remember. Oh yeah, Brave now. New uh, uh, Brave New Frontiers or uh, New yeah, Frontiers, something that, like that. that. One, yeah, that one is working nicely. I like it. They're exploring different I, I, worlds. I, I don't bother. I, I I don't. I just don't. I don't care. I don't care about Star Trek anymore. They managed to kill my my trekkiness out. My 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 Star Wars niche was killed in 1992, way before the Phantom Menace, and my Star Trek love was killed. Um, oh, it's easy. Uh, the minute that uh, Star Trek Enterprise was released, and it's like, no, no, I don't need a hair metal band's uh, theme song for Star Trek. Bye. Voyager didn't kill my my Star Trek fandom. <laughs> Even though I, I realized after all these years, yeah, Janeway's a psychopath. <laughs> She's an utter. I've heard from people whose opinions I trust that Lower Decks was like surprisingly decent. Yeah, it's a comedy show. It's like the Orville. It's the Orville. I mean, it's just no, Star it's Trek Orville. pretending to be. It it's taking the same. It's, it's um freaking it's uh, Rick and Morty do Star Trek. I get that, but it's taking the same page from Orville. No. Right. It's taking the same. It's using. It's using humor. It's using humor. It's being self-referential. And it's also canon, and I've also heard some folks say that it actually gets surprisingly good. They're, they're, I don't care. Like beyond the comedy. The, I don't care. Characters. I mean, they. They. Seth cares about the the, the world that he created in Orville. Yeah, with, Seth MacFarlane. Well, well, here's the thing, Seth. Like, Seth MacFarlane. Star Trek and have fun making fun of it. No, here's the thing. Seth MacFarlane literally took plots from the original series and plopped them in the uh, Orville and just had some cursing and, and jokes uh, surrounding it. But Seth MacFarlane really just wanted to do a sci-fi show, but no one was going to let him do a straight sci-fi show. So he had to convince, oh, okay, I'll include some family guy humor in it. They can curse. That's about it. <laughs> and yeah, that was the big contributions to Paramount uh, with the new shows. Hey, we're going to have our, our Star Trek characters curse. You know why it was fun for for uh, William Sh- uh, Kirk to say a double dumbass on you? Because he didn't know how to curse. <laughs> he didn't know how to curse. That's what was funny about it. Saying fuck is not funny. Unless it's uh, Alien 3 and someone's just... <laughs> and one of the prisoners goes, fuck! <laughs> the laugh when um, uh, Star-Lord said the F-bomb in the latest... Eh. <laughs> I couldn't care less about Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, I, I everything's become Joss Whedon-esque, and I just despise it. I despise Guardians, it. Guardians was always a little better than that. Did you watch the new Dungeons and Dragons film? It was Guardians of the Galaxy and D and D, and it was absolutely awful. What was I loved it? it. What, what is this? What you think? I thought it was awesome. You, I, I, okay, I'm glad you thought it was awesome. It was awful. What was it? <laughs> it was uh, Dungeons and Dragons, but they they copied they they wholesale copied Guardians of the Galaxy right down to having the lead character be Star Lord. Oh he's a bard. Of course he's gonna be like Star Lord. He's no he's not a bard, he's a thief. He is a bard. He's literally playing Whatever. I, I here's the thing. It's 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 friggin' Guardians of the Galaxy, everything. You have the person who doesn't know how to make a joke. You know it's like I, I've seen this, I don't I, I didn't need to see it again. It was just I mean, 
I don't like. Here's the thing. Sometimes you want to hold the, uh, the the pathos and not crack a joke. Sometimes you just gotta have fun. Yeah, it wasn't that fun because I, I already saw. I hate watching a movie that I already saw. That movie wasn't meant to impress anyone. That I don't. Yeah, I, I I don't buy that. It's not meant to win awards. Comment. I don't <laughs> give a shit about that comment. Well, that's fine and all, but a lot of people. The last wish. The last. Have fun. The last wish. Wasn't there to win awards, although I know it was nominated for Best Animated, but it wasn't hard for it to be nominated for it. It wasn't much good. But, um, yeah, uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, was a sequel that was basically a vehicle to introduce the new Shrek movie. Because unlike the previous Puss in Boots movie, you never saw a Shrek character. And then there are Shrek characters all over the place in, in The Last Wish, and the ending has them going to far, far away. But I love the film because, guess what? I could tell they... DreamWorks told them we don't care what you make, just make something that's going to promote the next, the next, uh, the next Shrek movie. And they said, "Oh, really? You want us to do anything we want? Okay, we're going to make this really grim tale about someone worrying about their own mortality." The entire film is about Puss be, uh, worrying about his mortality and not, and not dumbing it down for kids. And I like that. Those other movies, they dumb it down for the audience. They dumb it down. Dungeons and Dragons dumbed it the fuck down. I found myself preferring Dungeons and Dragons 2000, even though it was obviously copying Star Wars. At least it was interesting to watch. I hadn't seen that before, really. I mean, was there anybody in Dungeons and Dragons, the new one, that was anywhere near like Jeremy Irons? No. If you're, if you're going to be bad, be bad all the way. Okay, well, uh, but not have Damon Wayans. At least, not that. At least there was no Damon Wayans in the new film. I like Damon Wayans. I thought he did in, a good in, job. In Dungeon Dragons? Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, so anyways. Uh, anyways, getting back to Star Trek Resurgence. If you – I really like the story. It was a good Star Trek. It was a good old-fashioned Star Trek story as in – TNG, DS9, that era. What was this called? Star Trek what? Star Trek Resurgence. It here's the thing they 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 showed I I didn't even know it existed until like a month ago when they when I saw on uh, YouTube some the gameplay from it from from a demo a year ago and uh, you could tell they worked on it for over a year because the characters a year ago looked really flat and they looked bad and in the new game they look a lot better they look a lot more 3D they still have that telltale issue of people walking when you tell when you have someone walk. They always have that weird telltale walk. You know what I'm talking about? They look like mannequins when they walk. <laughs> but at least, you know, at least the the dialogue and the and the thing. The oh, the other thing that I don't quite like is that um it's a telltale game, your choices matter. Unfortunately, they don't they don't matter that much. Only a few choices really matter. I'm not going to give those away. But what people think of you doesn't matter as much. But, you know, I did I, I did what I thought my character would do in all those situations. And one of the things I do like is that everything you do, you're not going to please everybody. Some people will be angry at you. Some people will be happy at you. And there's nothing you can do about it. So. Um, what else have I played? Oh, yeah. I, I've been – I downloaded Star Wars Racer. 
a remake of the old 1999-2000 game that's based on the um, based on the Phantom Menace, you know, that racing game? Yeah, the pod racing. Yeah, it's fine. I like it. I, I didn't play it at the time. At least I'm getting achievements for it. Game on uh, N64. Uh, there is a lot of love for that game. I'm finding uh, what's it called. There's a lot of of people who have really fond memories of Racer. Yes, Pod Racing on the 64 was a blast. I like. I loved that game way more than like I probably loved the movie. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> that's not too hard there. Um, well, how many? They had four players split screen on the N64, right? Uh yes. Okay, they only have two player split screen on the on the remake, but I, maybe more. I don't know. I just well, know there yeah, was enough. I guess you could play four players somehow, but I don't imagine yeah. that would be easy to set up on the new on the new platforms. Yeah. Uh, so Scott, what have you been playing? I've been playing uh, more Tears of the Kingdom. Okay. I'm really getting into the game, and I feel <laughs> like this is one of these games I could play all year and not finish all the stuff. <laughs> There's so many shrines, so many quests. There's a depth world to explore, not you know, not to mention the Skylands area and the overworld. Uh, I haven't done the main quest yet. I'm, I'm just doing the side stuff. And it's like I found the plateau and there's uh, a shrine quest there, like a four-part four shrine quest where then you have to find these eyes, throw them in the chasms, and then bring the chasm to a giant statue and you get a reward for that. And it's just like... Wow, and and while I was doing that, I got sidetracked by a, a, a secret mission that came up and sidetracked me from that mission. And that's that's what's really full of the in this game is so many things are going on. It feels like this map is really alive, and you're not just wandering a empty uh, environment. There's stuff happening. There's secrets to find, and you know you, you see bloopies that'll lead you to a cave, or you find. Uh, a disguised Yika assassin that you know just suddenly comes out of nowhere, and then you have the gloom hands coming at you, and it's just it's crazy what's going on. The gloom hands are the freaking worst. Those things are like <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom turns into a horror game for every time the gloom hands mm-hmm. show up because they're the freaking that you you never see them coming until they're on top of you, and they're the worst. They're just terrifying to fight. Um, unless you have just like 50 bomb flowers, then they're a bit easier to fight. You, you have to get the higher ground. I got on a uh, plateau, little small plateau in a cave, and they weren't able to climb. But when I killed them, the thing that comes after was able to climb and come after me. Oh, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. That part kicked the crap out of me for like an entire night. Yeah. Oh, um, my God. I, uh... I've been spending most of my time in the depths because I think that that is like the most interesting part of that game by far. The it's idea, like the Black like, Reach in Skyrim. Yeah, I've heard like one of my buddies was saying it's like the Abyss in, in the first Dark Souls game too, and it's like just it's very different from every other Zelda mm-hmm. that I've seen because you actually have to like bring these this resource called Bright Bloom scenes down there because everything is pitch black to the point where like. I, I dropped a bri- the bright bloom seeds. You drop them on the ground, or you put them on an arrow and shoot them, and they land somewhere and they light up about a fifty foot circle of space around them. I've had several times where like 
I I loaded up a bright bloom seed and shot it, and I just watched the arrow sink and sink and sink and sink. And then I realized that there was a cliff about five feet in front of me that I yeah. that I could not see. I know that's <laughs> happened to me too. I, I fell down a short cliff and right into that uh, that gloom stuff, and I was like, "Oh crap!" Uh, you, you, you got to get stuff like you, there's uh, glow potions and a and a miner's outfit that'll have glowing gems that'll, that'll help you see down there and it's just really a, a cool place to explore and you have to uh, it's just and, the, and then they have the uh, gloom stuff that affects your health that won't let you keep healing so you have to go find a light route to light the place up more oh man anyways the game is fun That's <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so fun I, I i completely agree with everything scott said it's a blast yeah, I forgot to mention, um, I downloaded Daggerfall, which is free on Steam, just so people know, because I saw a video on Dragonfall Unity, which is a mod, and it makes me want to play Daggerfall again. Does it, like, I, I tried to play Daggerfall when I saw it for free on GOG for a bit there, and, like, it was like it, they called it an enhanced edition, which made things a bit more streamlined. But I still remember thinking like, I'll have to show you the video um, of a Daggerfall Unity review because it, it, all these mods make. Here's the thing: you, if you want an open world game, Daggerfall takes all of Tamriel, all of it. I know, but it's also like very hard to decide what you want to do in that game. That's the entire point, though. That's the entire point. The entire point of that game is yeah, you're out there, and um, we'll see if you want to follow the main quest line. Go right ahead. It's like it's like Morrowind in that, except Morrowind's much smaller. Yeah. But um, I just I just want to play some Daggerfall again just for the, uh, just for the memories. Anyways, we're going to move on to quick news. Uh, another Vampire the Masquerade video game in it on the way, and it's still not Bloodlines 2. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade Justice will take players on a grim quest for vengeance in the old city of Venice. It's going to be more of an action-y game, too. It's not going to be an RPG. Oh, wait, there's more. It's VR. Oh, yeah. It has <laughs> VR, yeah. <laughs> I think it's only VR, actually. Let me make sure of that, but I think it's because it was on the MetaQuest gaming showcase today. Oh, really? I did not see it. Uh, we're going to be talking about it in a moment. <laughs> uh, I just want to make sure, because I'm pretty... It is coming on... Oh, yeah, it's coming on to PSVR 2 and MetaQuest 2.3. Oh, yeah, this is going to be... I think this is going to be VR only. Yeah. So... I actually played the Wraith Oblivion Afterlife. It's pretty good. That was the other VR game that, that the same guys uh, released, because it's made by Fast Travel Games. They did Wraith the Oblivion Afterlife. They also did uh, Cities VR, which is one of my favorite things in VR. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just relaxing. Like, you just sit down and craft a city in your hands. It's it's so fun. It's, it's basically Play-Doh, interactive Play-Doh, except the world is your Play-Doh. Right. Uh, for Axis hit by layoffs after Midnight Sun's disappointment and departure of iconic creative lead, around 30 devs have lost their jobs to the company. Um, yeah, I'm surprised that Midnight Suns did not sell. Because it got rave I, reviews and it got. They put uh, that game out at the completely wrong time. That game should not have come out right before, like right at Christmas, after everybody had gone home for the holidays, and that was a, that was a really poor launch window for that game. 
if they had put that game out somewhere around March or April, like, I guess try to avoid something like Tears of the Kingdom, but you get in around, like, February or, or May when there isn't as much going on, that game should have been a hit. Hey, Scott, do you know Jake Solomon? I don't think so. Okay, no, he was one of the creative leads, and I know Jake Solomon. He was in our out-of-the-park uh, baseball uh, league a couple of years ago. Wasn't he the, cool. one of the lead, lead, lead Yeah, he was lead developers. He was also one of the people who were axed for Marvel's uh, Midnight, Midnight Suns. Oh, no, I was going to say, if it's the guy I was thinking of, Jake Solomon actually actually left the company before uh, before these layoffs. Well, yeah, they, they recently lost him, but still. He uh, he's already gone on to form a new studio, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, Firaxis says they're focused on develop- developing critically acclaimed video games, which basically uh, translates to Civilization Seven. So. Still it's, waiting for more information on Civilization Seven. That's for sure. It's it's sad, um, you know. But on the other hand, you know, this is sort of game that gets re-released like five years from now and everybody just, you know, loves it and it gets its, its sales. Because like I said, you know, um, its Metacritic is really high. The user reviews are really high. You might want to hear actually this quote, uh, Jonah. There, uh, Jake Solomon was on a podcast where basically Uh-oh. he said uh, – he, he, he basically said people kept asking him if he was going to make another turn-based strategy or something like XCOM. He was like – I could, but I don't have anything more to say in that genre. Not because it isn't amazing, because it's where I've spent my life. But I felt I didn't have any more to say in there. Uh, so like, he wants to he wants to form he wants to form a new studio, and he wants to create a life simulator or a simulation style. Oh, just tell him, hey, Will, can I can I get the spore license from you? <laughs> Here's a you know we're overdue for spore too. If someone does it right, it could be incredible. I would love to play uh, Jake Solomon Life Simulator, a simulation game. Spore 2, make it happen. Uh, Nintendo's, this is a follow-up on, on a story we did like a couple of weeks ago. Nintendo's controversial Russian CEO, no longer an official employee, though his side company will now operate Switch support services. Yeah, that was always just really skeevy by Nintendo. Oh, yeah. Well... And that guy was skeevy himself. Like I know, but here's the thing. Yeah, you can have skeevy Russians, but Nintendo, are you really desperate for money? But he are you was that like, desperate? He was, he, was money, he was money laundering, wasn't he? Yeah, but uh, still, you know, I mean, there. Uh, Sony, I believe, is trying to get around the Russian uh, embargo, and pretty sure other people are doing it, too. It's sort of like, you know, they, I don't know. It's just... That whole situation over there is so fucking complicated. There's a uh, lot of games that aren't going to come out this year specifically because of that war. Uh, you know that um, the Stalker 2 devs are warning people that uh, Russian spies stole their game and released an unfinished copy onto torrents or whatever you use now? That's <laughs> an interesting one. I, I don't even – like I'm not going to say anything bad about them because they actually did have someone – Or they're in the uh, Ukraine. I mean, you know <laughs> – they actually had someone on their development staff that died in the war, and that's yeah. fucking tragic. But, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, there have been so many weird things about Stalker 2 already that I don't know what I think about, like, news on the game until it comes out. Remember when the biggest controversy was they were considering putting NFTs in that game? 
And then there was an outcry, and the next day they said, no, we're not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the most controversial thing about that game, and now no one cares. <laughs> it was also silent for, like, ever, and then suddenly they were like, we're releasing this year. And then they were like, we're delaying. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, when bombs are going off near you, it's kind of hard to program. Um, I probably won't play, play uh, Stalker 2, even though it's going to be on Game Pass, because I played the first Stalker. It's, um, it's the shooter equivalent of Dark Souls. Mm. It's just yeah. I like that idea because I liked Remnant from the Ashes. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I can see where you're coming from. It's just I I I want my games to be fun. I also didn't play Metro that much either. I don't know why there was nothing wrong with it. It's just like, eh. I guess I'm not really into open world shooters anymore. There's also something to be said for a story that is just generally sad all the time. It's I don't care about sad stories. I mean, I like sad <laughs> stories. It's just I mean, that I think it's just the open world MMO, uh, not MMO, uh, open world FPS. And it's uh, it's you know it is downbeat, but I don't know. Uh, it just never uh, the Metro games never caught me, um, and Stalker never caught me. So. Uh, we're going to move on to game news. Um, the MetaQuest 3 is official for 500 bucks and arriving this autumn and coming from Eurogamer. Following a swirl of reports earlier this year, Meta has made its latest consumer VR headset official. The MetaQuest 3 will launch this autumn, starting at $500 USD. Meta describes the MetaQuest 3, which will be fully compatible with existing MetaQuest 2 library, which also is completely compatible with the original MetaQuest library, too. So it's all three as the first mainstream he- headset with high res color mixed reality. Oh, mixed reality. Oh, dear. Uh, continuing on. And promises, quote-unquote, better displays and, and resolution, greater comfort, a 40% slimmer optic profile, and twice the graphics comfort, performance using, quote-unquote, next-gen Qualcomm chipset. Uh, its mixed reality feature includes four uh, four dual uh, dual four megapixel RPG color cameras, a depth sensor for a more accurate representation of your play space, and 10% more, uh, 10 times more pixels in the pass-through compared to Quest 2. Additionally, Meta has complete, quote unquote, completely redesigned MetaQuest 3's Touch Plus controller, dropping the outer tracking rings and adding True Touch haptics. I, okay, I own a, a, a MetaQuest 2. What is wrong with the outer tracking rings? I like those. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think that haptics are just like a. I know what haptics are, but you know. No, they, I, no I, I'm saying that I'm not saying what they are. I'm saying that they're a popular technology right now. I guess, but here's the thing. You know, um, they could see you. They could see you what you're doing with your hands because it wasn't. Oh well. Anyways, uh, the $500 base version of the MetaQuest 3 will feature 128 gigabytes of storage, and Meta says additional storage options will be available at launch. More in the way of specifics will be shared during Meta's Connect conference on the 27th of September. With the MetaQuest 3 now official, MetaQuest 2 is getting a price cut. The 128 uh, version will be reduced from 400 to 300, and the 256 model will dropping from 350 uh, uh, to 350 from 450. I got the 64 gigabyte model, and I never really needed the extra. I never did. I uh, I'm very curious about how uh, Meta is getting this new headset ready at 500 bucks, and I wonder how many billion. I wonder what the catch is because the issue I had with MetaQuest 2 when it first came out heavy was <laughs> bogged down and horrible intrusive uh, Facebook logins and oh yeah that's the that's the question are you gonna have uh, fa- Facebook uh, n- 
I can't see um, – here's the thing. Maybe you can have a Facebook account but not have a Facebook account. You know what I'm talking about? It's that you're not logging into Facebook. You're just logging into a Facebook account, but you could, you don't have to share it with your Facebook. You know, you don't have to create a Facebook account. It's just yeah. an account. That, you and, know. like, eventually they added options to the to the MetaQuest that you didn't have to have a Facebook account. You could just have a Meta account, and, and it's like, I don't know. I don't know how that's any better, but, like. Well, you do need an email account because you're going to make purchases through their store. Right, right. That that's what it led down to. So that is better. But like when it started out, that was my biggest deal with it. I didn't care. And, and, <laughs> and I can't help but notice that when they did add the, uh, add the options to use non Facebook accounts to log in, they also raised the price of the device soon after. So yeah. I so, I'm not saying those two things are connected. I'm just saying that like that's a unreasonably good price for the MetaQuest Three and what they're saying it packs. Yeah. I will be pre-ordering uh, because smaller headset because <laughs> the MetaQuest 2 is just like it, feel, it feels like it wants to push your face down to the floor. <laughs> it does. You got to have that crackhead bander, like that, that little cotton strap. And it looks like the MetaQuest 3 has the little cotton strap too, but maybe yeah. it won't be so bad with the lighter weight. And, you know, um, it might, might bring me back to Elite Dangerous playing on the MetaQuest 3. Because here's the thing, the game, what I want to play on the MetaQuest is a game like Elite Dangerous or Starfield or Star Citizen in which you're living your life in in a virtual reality. I don't know if there's probably not going to be VR in Starfield and there's probably not going to be VR in Star let, Citizen. Let me ask you this, Jonah. Mm-hmm. Do you want to play Bulletstorm, possibly one of the fastest first-person shooters ever in VR? Because you can soon. That's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I don't really like playing shooters in, in VR, and not because it gets me dizzy or anything like that. I just, I'm not into it. Bulletstorm um, in particular, it sounds like it would be like the VR equivalent of the teacup ride after eating a full all-you-can-eat buffet. You want to bet they're going to do it like they did with uh, Doom and that you don't move, you just hop from place to place, but you still have, and you just aim and shoot. They they showed gameplay today and it looked like full motion movement, up up to and including the slide move. I I dare them to make Mirror's Edge. (laughs) I I triple dare them. That's what I'm telling you, is that it looked like. I'm I'm pretty sturdy when it comes to VR, but I was like watching the trailer and I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna be able to play, play this for like ten minutes and then I'll have to take the headset off and stop sweating for a bit. Here's the thing, you know, the reason why I'll get the uh, what I want to get the MetaQuest Three is because it's only gonna be it's it's dirt cheap. I mean, it's half the price of a of a HTC Vive, and um, you don't have to have those things around you. You know, you just have the, the headset, and like I said, lighter headset that's a big win for me. So. It I just looks w- like they're getting some good games ready for it this year too. Yeah. I just, uh, I just. Storm aside, like. Yeah. They they also showed off that that vampire game. They showed off. I expected to die three. There was a there was a mech fighting game called Underdogs that looked pretty great. Mm. Like you can actually like get your arm knocked off your mech and then pick it up and use it as a club. Oh, uh, can you imagine if they ever did that uh, Microsoft? Um, tank game steel battalion and did it in vr Oof, that would be dynamite 
you know. Uh, and what do you do? Or no, that's Capcom. Capcom, you're on a run of like good of good hits and, and solid luck. Why don't you get on that? Yeah, um, I'm gonna pre-order it. I don't know if you are, but I am. So it's it, like I said, and then I'll I'll uh, give away my uh, my quest too, to maybe a oh. family member. Jonah. They're bringing back the seventh guest as a VR game on the on the quest. No, that would that would that would excite, excite Scott more. <laughs> seventh guest and eleventh uh, hour. <laughs> I mean, might as well do Mist too. Yeah, yeah, those were those were good games. Oh, actually, I know there's a um I I forgot the the, the current Mist game that's being made now. It's like Firmament. Uh oh yeah, Firmament yeah that that's really a good one. Uh, they probably could do VR for that, I'm sure. Well, that's here's the thing: Mist and uh, Seventh Guest and all those other games, they were basically just simple puzzle games that just wanted to dazzle you with their artwork. So I'm pretty sure that they would definitely want to do it with VR. Yeah. Know, it some of those puzzles were really tough. I mean, it all, good though. Like it looked interesting how they adapted like that old FMV into like a VR setting. The only thing is that, you know, I really wish Elite Dangerous was more interesting. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm also, you know, the thing is that with Elite Dangerous, I don't I don't do any fighting at all, really. I just do my, uh, I got my big old uh, uh, cruise ship and I I take people out on, on on tourist runs, yes, I do. That's what I do in that game. I have I I have the best luxury uh, cabins for the big VIPs, and they just want to take me all over the galaxy and show and have and take them to the uh, uh, you know the uh, um, uh, uh, the landmarks all over the galaxy. I still haven't gotten to the uh, Sagittarius A plus yet, a, a star yet though. Which is the supermassive black hole at the center of our universe, by the way. Oh, I did almost get killed by one of the aliens during that war. Why were they picking on a luxury ship, damn it? I'm here just to shop people around. Anyways, uh, we're going to move on to the next item. Go ahead, TJ. Alrighty. Riot. Riot Games threatens to cancel the entire League of Legends summer season from PC Gamer. Riot Games has delayed the start of the League Championship Series summer season by two weeks in order to enable a negotiation with the LCS Players Association over recent rule changes. But it has also threatened to cancel the entire season completely if if an agreement can't be reached within that time frame. The labor unrest began earlier this month after Riot announced rule changes that resulted in most teams in the LCS, the top-tier League of Legends Pro League in North America, dropping their lower-tier North American Challenger League rosters, putting as many as 70 players, coaches, and managers out of work. So, let me interrupt for a second. So, for those who don't know, um, the NACL is basically like a feeder league. It's a way for less experienced players to get into into league play, but they're not ready yet for the big teams, so it's sort of like the minor leagues for the League of Legends Pro League. And it's one of the only ways that a lot of these players can crack into, you know, the top tier Pro League teams. Yeah, and and so like you lose the minor league entirely by that, and you lost all of the staff and the coaches and and all the people that trained for that stuff. That is tragic for anyone who was like getting their foot in the door and wanted to someday move up as an esports player. Um, 
but uh, sorry, getting back to in response. response, the Players Association voted overwhelmingly in favor of a walkout, although not immediately. Instead, it expressed hope that Riot would avert the strike by joining in the coming days to have an open and transparent discussion. Riot has agreed to an extent. After announcing a plan to start LCS play on schedule, even after the event of a, even in the event of a strike, it has now opted to delay the season by two weeks. But Riot also made it very clear that it's ready to play hardball. If an agreement isn't reached within that two-week window, Riot said that it's prepared to cancel the summer season entirely. And if the summer season is canceled, all LCS teams would be eliminated from qualifying for the 2023 World's Championship. The ultimate big show for the League of Legends pros and one of the biggest esports tournaments in the world. The 2022 World's Prize Pool was more was more than 2.2 million. At the same time, Riot categorically reject, rejected requests made by the LCSPA last week regarding the future of NACL, including the implementation of a Valorant-style regulation between LCS and NACL. Guaranteed LCS contracts for NACL uh, winners, slot ownership rules, and a revenue pool for NACL players. You know, I would say that both sides have a point, except for the fact that Riot Games has proven over the years that they're assholes. Yeah, agreed. (laughs) I I think that's like they, they started this when they made those rules that cut lower league teams. That's not, that sucks for a lot of people that put a lot of effort into that. It's, I don't know. I've I've seen a lot of people pour their their hearts and souls into esports only to be squished in the end, and it's just not cool to see any time. And it's especially not cool to see it from the, the, the publisher itself. Like, Nintendo, we expect this out of Nintendo at this point. <laughs> never, never supported these sports. Well, and Nintendo's like, problem really is that they don't want people using their shit without their permission and without them getting a cut. Right. And that's why Smash Esports is completely dead. And the fact of the matter is, like... I mean, Nintendo, do you know what the term killing, uh, killing the golden goose means? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's so disappointing to see League of Legends, Riot Games, who've been in esports for uh, more than decades at this point, like just crush an entire section of uh, of an esports uh, organization. It'll be interesting to see what happens if they actually get these people banned from doing the world's prize, you know, the world championships, and that they're you know eliminated from qualifying for this year. It'll be interesting. To see what kind of ramifications I would have afterwards. Yeah. Because 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 uh, um, yeah, it's it would be it would be a very odd thing to have a uh, to have a world's tournament that featured no L- LCS team specifically because they were disqualified by a strike. That would be like a year in which yes, LCS probably wasn't going to win. But everybody in there has the caveat that uh, there were no LCS even involved. And what is it? Is it like forty percent of the of the uh, of the uh, world's uh, league? I think something like that. Just a big chunk, and you'd have like it would be like the nineteen eighty uh, you know like the nineteen eighty Olympics or the nineteen eighty four Olympics when the United States and the Soviet Union respectively boycotted the Olympics. Yeah, and I mean like. 
China and North Korea regions are by far the the best and most prominent regions and competitive players in League of Legends. However, LCS has, has risen up in the ranks, and they've actually put a couple teams in the World Finals here and there. So, like, I don't know. If you cut an entire region out of your <laughs> tournament... It's a bizarre decision, too. I mean, I'd have to look into it further, but, you know, I don't see the pro- uh, why League of Legends would, uh, Riot Games would have a problem with the LCS having a feeder league. It, it just, uh, do they not want people to, uh, does it have anything to do with purses? Or, I don't know. It just seems bizarre. Yeah. And also, like, pl- players' rights and, and, uh, and game industry rights right now. Is, is such muddy waters, and everyone and every company feels like they're trying to um, stay on top of, like, make sure that nothing changes. Yeah, I mean, there's like the 1900s for the Olympics, you know. No, no one is quite knows quite what to do right now. <laughs> it's gonna be wild to see what happens. Yeah. I know that, like, there are gonna be a lot of North American fans that are pissed off if there is no chance of North American teams showing up in the world. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. That's the last thing I'll say on that for now. Uh, PlayStation accused of abusing games industry with PS5 exclusives, and this comes from the gamer. Sony has expressed a fear that it won't be allowed to play Call of Duty anymore if the Microsoft Activision Blizzard merger is approved, which, as we all know, is horseshit. (laughs) Now PlayStation is the one being called out for its exclusive practices, as the Romanian Competition Council, the RCC, has accused the platform's parent company of abusing its position. Shared on Reset Era, uh, the RCC has published a press release, translated into English online, so you can look at it there, uh, detailing why it believes the PlayStation markets and sells exclusives need to be reined in. The biggest sticking points are the PlayStation selling games exclusively through the PS Store and not allowing uh, third-party distributors to sell codes, which is interesting. Which is very interesting. And we'll we'll discuss on that. Uh, These practices would have reduced the purchasing options for PlayStation-compatible video games, leading to higher prices for video games for this type of console. Since the only place to buy certain uh, certain products is the PlayStation Store, Sony dictates the price and can effectively charge whatever it likes without worrying about its customers looking elsewhere for a better price. Well, because there is no other elsewhere. The RCC is serious about this, too. The release goes on to inform readers it has already carried out inspections of Sony HQ in Europe as it attempts to determine whether PlayStation really does have an unfair stranglehold on the industry thanks to its exclusivity practices. Again, while in a different situation, it's somewhat ironic that PlayStation has spent the last year attempting to thwart Xbox's, well, Microsoft's Activision Blizzard merger. May, largely sticking to the fear Call of Duty will become a console exclusive should that happen. Um, it's interesting to me. And because here's the thing in Romania, I think it's just PS PlayStation alone. You know, I mean, if Microsoft were there, I make they might look at the Xbox store. But here's the thing. Microsoft releases things in its own store on PC in the Microsoft Windows store and on Steam. So if, say, Microsoft was there, they couldn't they couldn't accuse you know, they couldn't accuse Microsoft of, 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 you know, having exclusivity because all their PC games are also on on, uh, on Steam. Which yeah. n- makes a lot of sense now why Microsoft decided, you know what, we're not going to compete with Steam. We're going to join Steam. Yeah. And even then, it's like, 
it's kind of like a bootstrapper where like you you load up a uh, Halo and Steam and then it has you log in on Microsoft. Yeah, that's just because they want you to use their servers and the accounts, but you still have to you still pay for it on 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 Steam. And you know, here's the interesting thing: uh, did did Microsoft ever release any DLC? F- you know, paid DLC for Halo Infinite because Valve would get a cut of that. That's yeah, why they did. Because, like, there is, like, see, there is season passes. Yeah, because here's the thing, you know, uh, that's why Epic made their own store, because they didn't want to pay those, pay, uh, give Zalva cut of their DLC. As everyone knows, it's not, it's not the games that people worry about, it's the, it's the downloadable content, which is why, say, you never saw Mass Effect on Steam until... The uh, until you had the bundle, which had included all the uh, Mass Effects and all the DLC included, because there was no DLC to purchase, it was already included. So they said, "Yeah, we'll sell that on Steam." Yeah, I'm like, the game. This is this is very true, and like the same could be said of Nintendo. That like Nintendo will not let you do Nintendo things on anything but Nintendo. But here's the thing. They're saying that you can only buy stuff on the PlayStation Store, and I guess they're talking. Yeah, so here's here's the thing. I think the key point is that they're not allowing third-party distributors to sell codes. Yeah, which would be like Green Man Gaming and stuff like that, where like you usually can find a game for kind of you can find a cheap Steam code on there. Yeah. So. It's going to be interesting to see what happens if RCC says, "Oh, Sony, you know what? You can't sell any of your games here without doing what we want." Because remember, um, there's a lot of things that you know you, you can't do in other countries. I mean, Steam had to bend over backwards for China. <laughs> it's also going to be interesting. I think. I think what happens. I think what would be more interesting is if, like, what happens next is a domino effect where where some other country, some other nations. Well, that's the entire point. That. That's the entire yeah. point. Yeah. Like you build momentum, you build uh, popularity for your case, and, and other nations join in that, and then suddenly you've got a serious problem when an entire region takes that same stance. Well, here's the thing: when the EU approved the uh, the Microsoft merger with Blizzard, uh, Activision Blizzard. That also started a thing because now the CMA is having a lot of trouble trying to, you know, trying to, uh, uh, you know, stop it in the UK. And the FTC has to sue in order to stop it. And they might sue even though they're, they'd lose it just to say, we did it. So, yeah, when, when the EU said, yeah, it's OK, that, that started a lot of dominoes for Microsoft. Yeah. And like. One of the things I've heard, like the difference between the FTC and the CMA, is that it's an extremely well. It's like a hundred percent easier in the United States to appeal a decision of the FTC than it is in the UK to appeal a decision of the CMA. Yeah, but you know the thing is that there there are people in the CMA who are not happy with the CMA trying to block it, and it's like, mm-hmm. and the former leader of the CMA saying it's bullshit, and it is bullshit because um, Microsoft really doesn't do, you know, cloud streaming except for Xbox games. They don't do PC games. They don't stream PC games, which was basically the problem that you would have, you know. Anyways, it's just interesting. Uh, Scott, you can take the next item. Okay. That was 
No Dragon Age, Dreadwolf, or Skate until after March 2024, says EA. This is from Metro UK. It feels like EA and Bioware have talked a lot about Dragon Age, Dreadwolf, without ever saying anything, despite some concept art, vague plot details, and the promise of the game reaching alpha stage in late 2022. Fans haven't really seen any proper footage. There there was that proprietary leaked gameplay showing off uh, God of War-style combat alongside a report of it retaining elements of its origins as a multiplayer title, but Bioware itself has not yet to share uh, anything official. That same report called 2023 launch optimistic, and now EA's latest fiscal report unambiguously confirms that it won't be out this year, nor 2024. EA recently published its financial results for the most recent quarter in the 2023 fiscal year as a whole, both of which ended in March. Uh, in the section highlighted games scheduled for 2024 fiscal year zero, which runs from 2023 to March 2024, it lists the likes of EA Sports FC, Mortals of Avium, uh, but not Dragon Age Dreadwolf, ex- uh, effectively confirming it won't be out until April 2024 at the earliest. Here's the thing, by the way. Um, the reason that you see all this March 2023 and 2024 is that March is the end of the fiscal year. So, yeah, they said the same thing about Skate. Um, I don't know. Are you... I, I'm not disappointed. Um... Uh, are you, TJ, disappointed that you won't see Dragon Age 4 for a while? I haven't seen much of Dragon Age 4 to begin with, so I don't, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's like, just, it's just. Here's frustrating because I, I replayed the entirety of uh, Inquisition again, and I just, I want to get to Deventer, Damn it! I want to see what happens next. The, I've the, already said, I already said it earlier in the show too. There are already too many games coming out this year. Do you really feel like I like? Baldur's Gate 3 is going to come out, and that is going to take over all of the time I've been spending on Tears of the Kingdom. Hopefully I'll be done with Tears of the Kingdom by then. And then, like, I don't know. I, a few I'm glad stars I coming out. There's a lot of stuff coming out. Stuff yeah. a Dragon Age game alongside Baldur's I mean, freaking game. Diablo, 2, uh, Diablo 4 is coming out in a few days. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, the reviews have already come out, for it, and there's nothing less than an 8 of 10 from, from reviewers. Everybody loves it. The only little minor problem they have, I think, is that it starts to get a little bit flat near the end, you know. But that's that's a lot of RPGs are like that, in which you've seen everything it has to offer, and it's like, yeah. The Trials of Reverie is coming out July, which I'm planning on buying the next Trials saga. <laughs> the yeah, common thread I've heard on Diablo 4 is that it's more Diablo, <laughs> but like prettier Diablo too. But good Diablo. I mean, hey, look, Street Fighter 6 comes out tomorrow. And so does oh wait I did not realize this we love Katamari Reroll is coming out tomorrow yeah that's the that's the that's the Katamari Damacy that I grew up with well not grew up with but that's the first game I played with because I remember being able to roll up continents mm. and then the universe yeah it's a good week for games between System Shock Street Fighter Six and uh, and Katamari System Shock what's that I haven't played it yet. <laughs> Seriously, when when it's just annoying. 
mean, yeah. the Layers of Fear, the Layers of Fear remake is coming out on the fifteenth. So. Yeah. Anyway, like. And then we also had Tears of the Kingdom. Like, in the last two weeks, we've had, like, at least two games that could be considered Game of the Year contenders. Well, yeah. I mean, there's also, you know, Hi-Fi Rush. and But, you know, the thing is that um, a a lot of this is just the splooging out from from the pandemic. I think people are really starting to catch up for the two years that the pandemic took away. Yeah. I'm happy to see what Street Fighter 6, that game... It's gotten rave reviews, too, so... Yep. I, I, I didn't gush about it this week, but I probably will gush about it. <laughs> um, how is Evo coming along? Uh, it's looking good. Combo Breaker just went off without a hitch. Everybody had a good time, and uh, now... Uh, the, the guy that runs Combo Breaker also runs Evo. So, he's, uh, he's gearing up for a uh, really great Evo. They have a lot of really good, great games in there. It's going to be the one of the first times that Street Fighter VI sees real competition. And, uh, and in addition to that, he said he's got some really good announcements lined up already, and we're still like two months away. Cool. Anyway, that's your video games coming out in tw- uh, June report. Anyway, um, did you play Skate? You ever play that game? I did. I always liked Tony Hawk better, but I thought yeah. the control style was a little bit interesting, like the way that like each stick controls a foot. Yeah, that's what I didn't like about skate. <laughs> uh, Tony Hawk was basically skateboarding for the masses, and you just you know, while skate is for the serious gamer, it's like it's like the Dark Souls of skateboarding. It's like you gotta, it, it was just too complicated for me. I want I want it nice and frothy and light. Uh, remake, uh, remake. Um, oh God, uh, Jet Set Radio Future. I'll be happy. I'd like to see. Uh, I'd like to see either Cool Borders or SSX make a return. Yeah, I, you haven't had the, had the snowboarding games out in a long while, have you? The last, the last reasonably decent one I've heard of was that was that tricky soft thing. Oh. Uh, oh yeah, I remember that game. It was like two you, years you ago. Had like, you had like wing suits and snowboarding and biking. And, yeah, and, it was a four-letter word, too. Um, steep. It was called Steep. Yeah. Or was uh, it Riders was, Republic? No, it was Riders Republic. Um, steep yeah. was another one. But steep I was, it was in 2016, yeah. I heard, I heard it was mid. Yeah, it was Riders Republic, yeah. But Riders Republic, I heard, was like a, a good 7 out of 10. But it's but I want something that's like full on snowboarding like SSX. Anyways, look for our show notes at gamingpodcast.net. Along with industry news and our gaming history articles, we enjoy feedback, so just comments at our blog at gamingpodcast.net. Also to sit up on uh, also hit us up at Facebook.com slash gaming podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes, leave some iTunes comments. You can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chugs. You can find me at Chug more. And there will be no podcast next week because I'll be in L.A. Uh, dealing with non, not E3. What did you say? I said have fun, be safe. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, we will see you in two weeks. Happy gaming, everyone.